Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our morning Bible study with the Day of Prayer. We are glad you could join us as we continue to discuss 2 Samuel. Before we get into the Word, who would like to volunteer to open us up in prayer? I will. All right, Charles. Well, I thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for giving us understanding on the chapters we are about to read today, Lord, and helping us to understand everything that you have written inside your word, Lord, so that way we can understand and not have to make the same mistakes, Lord. And I just thank you for guiding us on how to keep on the path, Lord, and not and helping us to not make the same mistakes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this morning we are in 2 Samuel chapter 15. And uh, there's a lot in here to discuss. So let's get to it, shall we? Who wants to read the first 12 verses? I will. All right, I promise. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was whenever anyone who had a lawsuit came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servants from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or case would come to me. Mm. Then I would give him justice. And it, so it was, whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that I would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted towards all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now it came to pass after forty years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For your servant took a vow while he dwelt in Geshur in Syria, saying, If the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom reigns in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men and fighted from Jerusalem, and they went along innocently and did not know anything. Then Absalom sent for Ahithophel? Ahithophel. Ahithophel. Mm -hmm. The Gileonite. Gileonite. David's counselor from his city, from Gilo, were while he offered sacrifices. And the conspiracy, conspiracy grew strong, for the people with Absalom continually, continually increased in number. Mm. Yep, a lot going on in here. So, 
first and foremost, what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you guys? And or what questions or comments do you have? What's a deputy? It's an assistant. So if you, uh, militarily, right, you have someone that's in charge, and you would have either a commanding officer or something to that effect, you would have an executive officer or a deputy. So in the absence of someone, they are delegated and given the power and authority to make rulings and decisions in the place of and as if with the same power and authority as the person in charge. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like a sheriff and then there's deputies. The sheriff is the, the main yeah. one, but his deputies have the ability to use his authority to arrest people and things mm-hmm. of that nature, to carry out whatever scope of their um, the responsibility of, is. Exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, what else? But I found it interesting that Absalom said, Oh, that I remain judge in the land, and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me. Then I would give him justice. It reminds us kind of of how we do with our siblings. Like, oh, if only somebody would go ask for the cookies, like a secret <laughs> signal to get them to go do what we want and go, uh, like, play the sympathy card, if you will. Like, oh, you poor creature, you poor thing. That Absalom thought of doing that. You know, trying to plant a seed and get someone else mm-hmm. to do your bidding. Uh, you go before the king on your behalf. Mm-hmm. In this case, Absalom trying to get someone else to go before the king on his behalf to what? Give him a position of power? Yes. To to willfully just give him a position? Yes. Even though he mm-hmm. just barely, it says for a period of time, right? Or after a period of time. We don't know how long that is. But in the previous chapter, he barely was before the king. After two full years of living in the city, he wasn't even allowed to see the king. No, total of five from when he had killed his brother. Mm-hmm. And already seeking positions of power and authority. You have something to say, Promise? Yes, and kind of how Absalom is playing, playing that, you know... Kind of like going, if this were to happen, I would be able to do this, like, kind of, like, propaganda. Yeah. And going, <laughs> if you made me gave me power, I'd do this with it. Yeah. When most people, they'd go, meow. Most people forget very quickly what they said they would do and use the power for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then when Absalom said, please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow which I made to the Lord. For a servant took a vow while I dwelt in Geshur and Syria, saying, if the Lord indeed brings me back to Jerusalem, I will serve the Lord. And kind of like the fake humility he was doing. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that, but it's, it's deception and, and manipulation. Yeah. He'd been in Jerusalem for over two years. So there was already two years, over two years worth of time that he could have traveled to Hebron and paid his vow to the Lord. Over 40 years. Not over 40 years. Well, it, says, it says after 40 but years that Absalom said to the king. It's actually four. The oh, okay. The text says at the bottom, 
1994. Gotcha. Okay, so, so there's a period of time, right? There was all this time before then. Why now all of a sudden? Well, that seems to kind of be his deal. He waited two years to kill his brother mm -hmm. after he violated Tamar. Two years to kill Amnon. Then he was gone for three years. Then he was, I mean. But at every time, there's been a, a plan <clears throat> of deception and destruction and violence. He waits for an opportune time. Exactly. He butters everybody up and then strikes in some way to kill, steal, and destroy. And kind of like how Epson was trying to use the Lord's name to go somewhere, mm -hmm. even though I, I know for sure he didn't make that vow. Have we not heard that before? In reading... Samuel, first and second Samuel. Have we not heard this exact thing before? Yes. With Saul? Mm. Yes, and it was said to David what? Surely, who has delivered him into your hand? The, the Lord. Lord. Oh, yes. Well, we threw the Lord's name on it, so that makes it okay, right? Yes. No, no it sure doesn't. No, sorry. It sure doesn't, <laughs> sir. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> it's okay. Right, but you understand, right? Just because someone puts the Lord's name on it doesn't make it right. Or so. It doesn't mean that the Lord actually said it, which goes back to the point we were making yesterday. Let everything pass before the Lord. Hear him for yourself. And he should be present in your moment to moment. Not you go away for hours and then come back. He, the Holy Spirit is our ever-present help. That's why Jesus mm -hmm. was like, he's so important. That I, I go away so he can come to you. It is so important that this happens. Don't leave Jerusalem without him. Until you receive him, exactly. Like, stay here because you need his moment-to-moment -moment guidance every day of your life, just like Jesus had. When he walked in his ministry, he wasn't doing that on his own. Yes, he had times that he went away to pray, but he communicated constantly with the Holy Spirit. They, were, they are one. He waited and would not act. Until he had heard from the Lord. And yes, yes, it does require effort to live that way, mm -hmm. especially initially. But once you develop that practice and that habit, it's second nature to you. As soon as that's what you purpose in your heart to be, right? Which mm -hmm. we were talking after, well, I'll say yesterday after our study mm -hmm. um, about perfection because. I'm sure if anyone that's listened to the past few episodes are like, man, what, what is being said in the study is literally asking people to be perfect. And yeah, that's a, that's a very difficult thing to grasp, right? And, and to be. However, it's still what the Lord commands, right? Mm -hmm. What does Matthew 5.48 say? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Mm, you shall be perfect. Other versions say you are to be holy as your Heavenly Father is holy. Mm -hmm. What about Romans 12, 1 and 2? I 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mm-hmm. Other versions say, say it a little differently. They say it's your, your service, reasonable service of spiritual worship. Right, and then that we are to renew our our mind by testing, that you may discern what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. James one four. Um, somebody else can read that. <laughs> I'll read it. All right, promise. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Mm. Again, talking about being perfect. And mature and complete and entire and holy. All of the things that the word perfect encompasses and exactly. how it's used in Scripture. Let's also look at the other aspect of that, right? First John 3, verse 6. Somebody else give me that. Um, or actually, uh, let's read 1 John 4, 7 first. 4, 17, excuse me. 1 John? 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. So are we in this, in this world. That means now. That's today. Well, let me go ahead and read verse 18 as okay. well. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and me. we love him because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. Okay, now read First John 3, verse 9. I'll read it. Okay. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Mm. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Mm-hmm. It's not that you won't you sin. never sinned. And, and have never sinned, right? Because mm-hmm. Scripture also tells us that anyone that says they haven't sinned is a liar. Mm-hmm. And God and is the, not in him. <laughs> the truth, right, which is God, is not in him. Mm-hmm. But this says... Okay, because God's seed abides in you or lives in you, you cannot keep sinning mm-hmm. because you're born of God. Mm-hmm. Again, yes, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, Absolutely. we've all sinned, each and every one of us. <laughs> Probably the first, you know, foremost over here. However, the Lord forgave, he moves forward, and I have purposed not to do that anymore. Do I always get it right? No. Thank God for his grace and mercy on my life and all of our lives that we don't have to stay and remain in that place, that we can move forward. But it's about making the choice. And the effort to get it right. Exactly. Instead of making excuses of why we don't get it right. Right. How about 2 Corinthians 7, one? In there. All right, sir, Bubby, or promise, or Charles. Charles, yes. <laughs> Excuse me, I'll get her. I'll get it eventually. 
Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Mm. It's a choice to move forward. Mm-hmm. Out, of obe- out of love, <clears throat> and because of that love, obedience to the Lord, our Heavenly Father. And working to do that in completeness. Did you have another scripture you are going to read, honey? Not right now. Okay. I'll let you, you explain and what we were discussing yesterday. Okay. So I've, I've been pondering the last couple of days before the Lord, and, you know, just my, my thought to him to be very open about it was, Lord, people are going to start thinking, you know, I can hear them already going, you want us to be perfect. You're talking about being perfect. Nobody's perfect. And my my thought before the Holy Spirit is that, Lord, you know that we're human. You know that we're flesh, and you understand the, the limitations and the capabilities of said flesh. But what he, he reminded me of this, and he, he said it in a way that made it very clear for me. Um, any person going into surgery wants that surgeon to be perfect. They want them to complete that operation in perfection and not wake up to find the excuse of, oh, well, I'm just human. Sorry, I Oops. left my sponge behind, or I amputated the wrong leg, or actually you didn't even come for an amputation. That was another patient. I'm sorry. I'm just human. Oops. Nobody wants that excuse presented to them, you know, when it comes to something even in the natural capacity. How much more so do we owe our Father the honor of striving after righteousness, of striving after His perfection to make sure that we're doing things in a way that glorifies and honors him. So I said, oh, okay, I get that, Lord. I, I understand that because, you know, I, I get to see those patients come out of surgery. I get to see patients um, going, well, the doctor made a mistake. Now I can't feel the bottom of my leg. And they're not just okay with it. They don't go, oh, well, he's human. You know, when their life is forever changed because someone didn't operate to the best of their ability. So if you can think about it like that, you can see the difference. Absolutely. And... Again, it is a choice. It is a choice to move forward in the things of the Lord, to be obedient to Him, so that we can be found perfect or holy, without, as it's described in Peter and in Thessalonians, right, without spot, blemish, or wrinkle, blameless before our Lord and Heavenly Father. So it is a difficult thing. You can't do it on your own. Looking at it from a human perspective exactly. with a human mind. Because the human mind, the flesh, the earthly mind, doesn't understand the wisdom of God. To him it is foolishness. Exactly. But we have the mind of Christ. Absolutely. And we have his Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to, in all truth, wisdom, knowledge, give us counsel, right? Strength, all of that. And what it says in Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That includes being perfect. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you can't do this on your own. Absolutely not. You can't do this out of the flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing can be done in the flesh that you've received, even salvation, right? The faith that you access, or the grace that you access through faith, not of works, so that no one can boast. So it's nothing that we can do. Mm-hmm. However, in our own selves. In our own selves, mm-hmm. exactly. It can only be done with. And then through the through Lord. faith and trust in Christ. Exactly. And obedience to what he's asking us to do or not do. Amen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Amen. make the choice to move forward in town. Mm-hmm. To be perfect. Hold yourself accountable. That's it. To the Lord. You know, we're not talking about religious kneeling five times and 
those kind of things. But hold yourself accountable. Lord, what I see in your word, I will do. What I hear you, Holy Spirit, speaking to me, I will do that as well. And not taking his word apart from his Holy Spirit, because then, that's, then you get into legalism and bondage in that capacity where Christ has made us free, free to worship him in spirit and in truth and follow him the way that his Holy Spirit is leading. And the Holy Spirit, just so you know, will never violate his own word. Absolutely. He will never violate the written word of God because he is God. He's not going to violate himself. God is not going to violate himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. We have to choose to remain in his presence, right? First mm-hmm. Chronicles 16.11 says to seek the Lord and his strength and to seek his presence continuously, mm-hmm. continually, depending on your translation. Okay, yeah. well, are we remaining in his presence? Because he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Mm-hmm. Are we leaving and forsaking him mm-hmm. for the, the things of the flesh? Or are we choosing to remain in his presence, Mm -hmm. covered and cloaked in him and his love? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to pose a challenge to you to help you begin to um, draw near to God in a different way. Maybe if you haven't been haven't done so or been doing it in the past, when you go to the grocery store, before you go in, ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, ask the Lord to come in, ask the Holy Spirit and invite him to help you with your shopping and your grocery list, help you make the best choices for what you need versus um, your budget, what foods that you need um, dietary-wise, what's going to be best for your body. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And when you go in the store, just trust and listen out for his voice. And um, start in the little things, things like that. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to wear today? Just, Just small things like that. And begin to welcome him in. And you may not hear a big revelation, at the moment, but you'll hear some guiding of, oh, don't get that one. Mm-hmm. Take this instead, right? And you'll start to develop that dependence and keep your spiritual ears open. Keep yourself aware of his presence and the fact that we know when we call upon him, he will answer us. We know that when we ask him according to his will, he hears us. We already know that it's his will to be a part of and present in every aspect of our life, so there's no concern that he won't respond to you, that he won't interact and engage with you because it was his idea from the beginning. So that's my challenge to you. When you go to the grocery store, invite the Holy Spirit to come along with you and guide you and help you out in that area, okay? Yes. Yes. All right. Or you're looking for your clothes. Maybe you're not doing the shopping or spending on the budget. Ask about your clothes. Whatever it is that you have control over, that's left to your decision, ask, ask the Holy Spirit to help you with it. Help me, help me style my hair. Oh, that's another funny way that the Holy Spirit reminded me. You know, when you go to get a haircut, gentlemen, don't you want that haircut to be perfect? (laughs) When you go purchase clothes, you don't want that thing to have holes or defects or or whatever, right? Snares or or snagged on something. You're like, this is messed up. You want whatever garment, article of clothing it is to be perfect. You want it to be just. You want your meal to to be cooked perfect, right? Oh. If, especially when you go out to eat. I'm paying for this. If not, most people do it. They send it back. This mm-hmm. isn't right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we see all the natural ways that we expect perfection. But yet, we have to hold mm-hmm. ourselves accountable in our own mm-hmm. lives, judge ourselves. 
We see that we can make room for it in our spiritual life as well. Exactly. Uh-huh. All right. So. so, so there's. I wanted to cover that because it's important. Thank uh, like you, we've sweetheart. gone over a lot of, uh, I'll say, clearly painful, <laughs> you know, events. Yeah. A, a painful series of events here, which can be avoided, could have been, by just following after the Lord, not allowing room for, for the flesh. But just seeking after him. Because even in Absalom, right, what this treason that he's committing and being manipulative and, and really just usurping David, his own father, as the king. Well, but he's already made clear and known that blood and respect and honor have no meaning to him. Exactly. Um, but the fact that he's, he's still continuing, mm-hmm. right? And, and so much so, like I said, against his own father. And if we already... I've covered that. That is very is highly probable. He was a target. David was his target early. Exactly. He just didn't have the opportunity. But now, trying to utilize the rest of the kingdom and bolstering or garnering support for him and his cause hmm. and his purpose, twisting, manipulating, and deceiving others to come alongside his plan. Mm-hmm. Now, saying what? I'll give you justice. Uh, exactly. The use the king's of justice. not listening anymore. The we thing don't have anybody here who cares about Every individual of every nation, tribe, but everybody deep down truly wants or wants true justice. You see, especially when we've been wrong, right? Everybody deep down wants justice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, would he have a claim if David had have dealt with the situation early? I'm no. sure we found something. With, with Amnon, with whatever, it, it's highly probable. But, but if, this gives it credibility. But if Absalom was, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the Lord would have said, but if, on the extreme of that, if his life was ended, he would not have had anything to say. Right? Yes. yes. Or, if he, okay. or if Amnon had been cast out, right? Banished. Going by the law and mm-hmm. all that, right? Okay. He had been banished. And- not what you want to see. However, that's... That was was the, under the law. So if mm-hmm. it had been followed, if discipline had have occurred, instead of David did nothing. Mm-hmm. He he was sad. He and was he, disappointed, but, but nothing was said or done. Yeah, and his nothing, his doing of nothing, went back to when Amnon violated Tamar. Or that, that's what I'm talking about. Right. There was that was incestuous. That was defiling. I mean, like there was many implications to that. And he said and did nothing. He was just angry but silent. He's the king. Then he said he did nothing, said nothing when Absalom killed him. So he's, he's ever since the issue with Bathsheba, he's not been able to stand up for righteousness and say this is right and this is wrong. You're not going to do this or you will do that. And we saw him beforehand making those distinctions. Right? Yes. But now Absalom's going, hey. He didn't even do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. He's not here concerned, as in he, King David, was not concerned about you. Oh, and Layla, you brought up about the 40 years. Mm-hmm. The 40 years is assessed to be 40 years after David was anointed to be king. Mm-hmm. Not that it's been 40 years since Absalom came Absalom's out. return. Does that make more sense? Yes. I was wondering why it's like, like, that's a long, long time. time. Like, yeah, they got yeah, old really quick. 
I was thinking Absalom must have been like in his 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what, what, really what would that make David since that's his dad? Yeah, right? Okay. So, so there's that. But then we also see that, well, human nature and the, the sin nature, when given the opportunity to grow, knows no bounds. Hmm. It's against the king. And he's even deceiving people inside the king's own court, his advisors, his counselors, people that he's trusted mm-hmm. to provide counsel in times of difficulty and stress. Now those people are compromised. But why are they compromised? Anyone? Because they followed. We each have a responsibility to seek the Lord for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have the Holy Spirit that gives us discernment, right? He knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart, so the true motivation behind the actions. Even though it may present it itself for the situation, whatever it is, as being positive, right? I mean, the devil himself presents himself as what? An angel of light. Okay, an angel of light. So he doesn't just come with all the, hey, he's evil and all this other stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't advertise his, it, right? It's always like, ah, here it is. It's always as something good and pleasant. But then when you get down to the core of it, you see the true nature and intention. But by then, it's usually too late. Now, we can avoid all that by just listening to the Holy Spirit and Him giving, uh, allowing Him to give us that discernment mm-hmm. so that we can see and we can, I'll say, avoid or prevent making those same mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because now, Ahithophel, who was one of David's counselors, is, is compromised. Not only that, but again, like I said, it knows no bounds. The Lord said, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. Mm-hmm. Absalom has sent his spies out throughout the whole land to infect the entirety of the nation, Boy, all the people. I mean, and the people closest to him, what does it say about him? He took 200 people with him to Hebron. What's it say? Innocently, we did not know anything. So you can... I mean, you can put that on present day circumstances, how the enemy does. Like, oh, just just a handful of people, go disperse them, and at the right moment, stand up and make a ruckus, say this, that, and the other. Right? Yes. It's not changed throughout the entirety of history. Mm -hmm. The tactics, the techniques are the same. Or it doesn't take away from the greatness of our God. Absolutely. And but, all this could have been avoided, mm-hmm. again. But the Lord also, his words are true and faithful. His judgment judgments are just. Yes, so are. when he said this is going to happen as a result of this, mm-hmm. you now start to see the fulfillment of exactly what the Lord spoke mm. to David through Nathan. Yes. And again, it was when... He revealed that it was like, now you, David, you have opened the door to the enemy and you've given him claim against you, right? So the enemy is the one. God is not causing all this stuff to go around, to go about. That's like saying God caused David to go into Bathsheba. He did not. He did not. He had nothing to do with that. He has nothing to do with the wickedness that's in Absalom. However, David tied God's hands for defending him. 
because God had the hedge of protection around him. David invited the enemy in, just like Adam and Eve. God had surrounded that garden and protected it. Adam and Eve gave the enemy place, right? Yes. And gave him a claim to now infect and interfere with their life and the life of their children after them. That's why it's so, God's like, listen to me. Choose life that you and your seed may live. Mm. Not because God is doing wrong things to you. He's not. But there is a devil out there. Who wants to sift you as wheat. Looking, roams the earth looking for whom he can devour. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to how Jesus, when he walked in his earthly ministry, he gave clarity to what the um, people previously believed about God, things that they attributed to him. Jesus said, wait a second, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life everlasting. That is him making a distinction. You misunderstand if you think God is the one that's doing these wicked things to you. What happens is you depart from the covering and wickedness is already out there. And then you've opened the door or yourselves, your life, up to it, for it to enter in. Mm-hmm. Guard against that. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, we have to hold ourselves accountable, mm-hmm. judge ourselves, and then we have to remain, make the choice to remain with the Lord in obedience and love and faithfulness to Him. Mm-hmm. Any other comments or questions for that section? All right, let's move forward. Could I get a volunteer or two? We're going to read from verses 13 through 30. I'll read the first half. Can I give you the second half? Uh, I think I was going to read. Oh, oh, I can't. Whatever. Just... Now a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. So David said to his servants, who are, who are with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest you overtake us suddenly and, disaster, and bring disaster upon us, and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. Then the king went out with all his household after him, but the king left ten women, concubines, to keep the house. And the king went out with the people after him and stopped at the outskirts. Then all his servants passed before him, and all the Karathites, and all the Pelathites, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all the Gittites, 600 men who had followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Passed before the king. Then the king said to Itai, the Gittite, why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today, since I go I know not where? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Return and take your brother back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Itai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives and as my lord the king lives, Surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to me, I'm stopping at 29, right? We are, yes, yes, we're going to read through 29, stopping at 30. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. So David said to Atai, go and cross over. <laughs> then Atai the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. And all the country wept with a loud voice and all the people crossed over. The king himself also crossed over the brook Kidron and all the people crossed over toward the way of the wilderness. There was Zadok also and all the Levites with him bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had finished crossing over from the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Carry the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me back and show me both it and his dwelling place. But if he says thus, I have no delight in you, here I am. Let him do what seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahimaaz, your son, and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I will wait in the plains of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore, Zadok and Abiathar carried the ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they remained there. Can we read the next one? Well, well we can continue. If you want to read through the rest of the chapter, we can, we can do that. Okay. I was going to stop there, but oh, either no, way. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm just clarifying. You do whatever you feel the Lord leads me to do. Because there's, there's a lot in there. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a lot after that, but there is a lot in there also. But uh, I first want to turn it over to, to you guys. To the young folks. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And hear what the Lord is revealing to them, or, and or if they have questions, or, but most importantly, what the Lord's put on their hearts. So? I noticed that he didn't inquire of the Lord this time to see what he should do. Mm. He, he usually did that like when the Philistines came up against him and when he was dealing with Saul, when Saul was coming to uh, kill him, if you will, he it mm. usually said in the text, and he inquired of the Lord with his little ephod on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But now he didn't do that and he's running from his own son. So I'm like, wait a minute, David, you're a tactician and a mighty man of valor. Like, Absalom, not really. Well, but at the same time, he's already heard what the word of the Lord was. He's heard that, but then also, what's the messenger say? Which one? Verse 13. The people are with Absalom. The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. It doesn't take a genius to figure out you can't remain there. You have to escape. Staying is not an option, right? this is it's infected even his own counsel, this, this treason, right? His own people that have he sought for counsel are compromised. So who can he trust? Well, let's let's look at who he can trust. About six hundred people who had followed him from Gath. These are people that who have been through the struggle and the trials long before he was king. Those are the people he trusted. And they still had to pass before him. But let's also look at that. Because this is he's been essentially reduced. He's still the king. But there's no more unity in the kingdom. It's divided. And he's not really on the winning side of this. Or, or it's not perceived to be on the winning side. He has to run. He has to flee. But when he first started out, even running from Saul. He had 600 men. Eventually he had 600 people. 
Um, and I'm so I'm brought back to the beginning. Yes, I knowing David and the man that he is, the core of him, not his actions. The word of the Lord is echoing on the inside of Absolutely. him. Absolutely. In particular, the last word that he got when Nathan came to see him is echoing on the inside of him. How does he fight against that? You know, I and I'm asking that question in the way of how his mind would perceive it. This is what God said. Now, as surely as God said, you're coming into the kingdom and I'm going to bring you in. And he said, this is what's going to happen now because you've opened this door. Basically, and I'm not going to stop it. I can't at this point because you've, you chose and said, this is what I want. Rather than inheriting the good and having that, you decided you wanted this kind of lifestyle. And you might have been like, where? How? You remember that? Give a cup of cold water. When did I do that? How? And the least that you did this to one of these, you decided this is the life that you want. Young ladies, when you treat yourself as though you're not worthy of the value and honor that God places on you with your physical body, young men, likewise, you decide and determine in those actions that you want the kind of lifestyle that follows. It is what it and is. All you may the problems not... and situations that arise as a result. Exactly, which can follow you decades. Lifetimes. Down the road. When you choose not to carry yourself and keep the way God set before you and reverence him as holy, you can't always see the twists and turns that that path is going to take. And you may not think, my one choice, this is. I just chose that. It didn't equal all that. But like I, we've told you in the past, the enemy's not playing for pennies and and Nichols, he's playing for the whole thing. For keeps. He wants your whole life derailed. And you eventually to be cast into the pit where he is doomed and destined to be. That's what he wants for you. That's what the enemy wants for you. So when you make a choice to turn away from God, you are in turn saying, I choose the life that Satan has for me. Sounds harsh, but it is what it is. It's real. Can you stave off some of the repercussions? Absolutely. Come back to the Lord quickly. Come back in. But it's better if you just don't make those choices, especially because you know and are therefore now accountable. You're accountable. So I'm talking to the ladies first because you're older. Yes. Adulthood is on the other side of the door. But it's and not gentlemen far away for, also, you, for you guys as well. Because as you clearly see, men are not, as, you're not immune to what the cost of wrong actions, especially with your physical body. Fornication and adultery still have their same penalty in a man as they do in a woman. Yes, Father. Let me read to you Proverbs 6. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp, not a burden. The commandment is a lamp. It's, a, it's guidance for you. It's light in a dark place. It's strength for you. It's perception. It's how to rightly divide what's going on, how to see things. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is and the law alight, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. 
to keep you from mm-hmm. the evil woman. You can just substitute that for man if you're a female. From the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. David is literally, if he despised it before to feel like I don't want to go out to the wilderness and fight anymore, I don't want to be, I want to be living in my palace. If he despised it then to not be where he was supposed to be, how do you think he feels about it now? Even worse. Literally going back to the very same place. So did disobedience to what God called him to do and commanded him to do bring him to the place that he thought it would? Or did it regress him and literally bring him to a crust of bread? It regressed him. So, so hear this. But not just him. All these other people in the kingdom as well. All these other people that had chosen to serve him and to be faithful to him. They were all affected also. They all had to leave their homes and their possessions and all, the, and join him in the wilderness, going who knows where. Right? He even says he's like, I don't even know where we're going to go. Right now, the plan is get out of Dodge. That's the first step. We got to do that before we can come up with a plan, or before the Lord reveals a plan, which he should be seeking him, mm-hmm. especially during this time. Even if God While already said this is, the, this is what's going to happen now, he still should have sought the Lord. Absolutely. But did resisting God lead him to what he thought? No. Did it, did it spare his heart from trouble? No. Did resisting God produce anything good for him? No. Oftentimes we, we look out when God says something to us, we go, oh, that's too hard. How can I ever do that, right? Or I don't want to do that part of it. I don't like that. It's stinky over there or you know, whatever we think, and we resist God, thinking it's going to save us from something, thinking it's going to spare us from experiencing something. But did that disobedience preserve David and take him to a new place that was great? Or did it actually take him back to the very place that he didn't want to be, except for this time he's outside on his own? The place you didn't want to be? Place you didn't want to be. God would have, God was with him. When he was in the wilderness before God was with him when he was fighting the Lord's battles and taking his place on the battlefield as king. And so God was with him while he was in the palace when he was supposed to be there. Right. God was with him. Yes. But when you when he departed, when David departed from God's presence. Now you got to go through things on your own, or at least he feels that way anyway. It's never too late unless the breath has left your body permanently and your spirit has and your soul have departed from your flesh. It's not too late to call on the name of the Lord. Let's also look at another key thing in here, right? Verse 16, it says, Then the king went out with all his household after him. So again, not just David was affected. Mm-hmm. The entirety of his household. So even him. those actions from Bathsheba, to get her comeuppance, if you will. I want to be one of the, the king's wives. 
comeuppance. Oh, her comeuppance. Her, her yes. comeuppance in the world. Comeuppance means you got what you deserve. Oh, sorry. Yes. Her, her come up in the world. <laughs> yes. yes. Like, oh, hey. Yo. That means she got a new life and some status. Right. I'm going to live the high life. I got all this luxury. I'm, I'm in the palace. I'm taken care of. Uh, no, no. Now she's in the wilderness like everybody else. Abigail's out in the wilderness with him again. Along with others. Except for the ten women, the ten the, concubines left to keep the house. And they're probably in there quaking in their boots too, like they don't know what's going to happen to them. Because they've been left behind. So all, so even that in that, I bring that up because there's this, right? All the things that even Bathsheba thought she had achieved or gotten or by ill-gotten gain mm-hmm. was all gone in this moment. Again, as a result of those same actions. There's a, a proverb that talks about stolen bread. Mm-hmm. It is sweet. But it turns to... Turned bitter in the stomach oh, or something to that effect. What is it? Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, mm-hmm. and that, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Difficult place to be in. Um, but it's not just them that have to choose, right, to remain. Uh, um, looking at uh, from verse 19 on, right, where he's, David is having the conversation with Ittai. Mm-hmm. And I find that fascinating. It says he came only yesterday and clearly chose to remain. In Jerusalem with the king and be part of the nation of Israel. Be part of that kingdom. And now it's in an uproar. Mm-hmm. It's divided. It's, it's nothing at all like what he thought it looked like. Mm-hmm. But he makes a choice. Does that remind you of anything? What he says. It says in verse 21, As the Lord lives, as my Lord the King lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the King shall be, whatever, whether in life or death, also there, even there, also your servant will be. Mm-hmm. When I read that, I'm reminded of Moses. Mm-hmm. Where you go, we're going. If you stay, we're staying. We're not leaving. Peter in the New Testament says something similar. Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I know David doesn't have them. He's not God. But everyone that follows the Lord has the words of eternal life. So clearly, even in this, Ittai recognized the anointing of the Lord on David. Mm -hmm. God didn't take that back. Nope. But David's confidence is shaken. Absolutely. This, This is not the same man that fought Goliath. Like, you can see it. You can feel it. This is not the same man. The and writes about how he can run through a troop and how all these are going to fall in his, by his left, or a thousand on my left and 10,000 on my right, but none of it will touch me. And this is not that person. Yeah, physically he's the same person, but his spirit on the inside. His confidence is shaken. Mm-hmm. It's broken, and 
it's not the same. Like I know my God is for me. I trust him. He's going, well, whatever God thinks, if God delights in me, he'll bring me back. That was a hint of confidence. But if he doesn't, he can do whatever seems good to him. Kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm taking my lumps and, you know, even a thought of, and there's a, a thought of, I deserve this and what I hear. Yeah, there's some guilt, clearly. But, you know, clearly God already told him this is what's going to happen. But the, the man that had ultimate confidence in God, his Lord and Savior, it's not who I hear speaking in this case, the valiant man, you know, sure, he thought of his family, and that's good. He should have. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, it sounds like a different person talking. Yep. And yes, he's gotten older, but I mean, the confidence, our confidence in the Lord should only grow with life, not wax or wane. It shouldn't lessen. What did the Lord reveal to everybody uh, about David's advice to Zadok and the Levites and taking the ark with them? It kind of reminded me of what happened when David was first on the run and he went to see the priest first and got his sword from Goliath, but this time he felt the guilt first time he felt guilty because all the priests were killed on his behalf because of him so this time he told him go back don't associate with me so in an attempt to spare them it also protected the ark and at least it's at home you know it's not wandering around in caves and he wasn't he didn't respect for the lord still he did and he said you know Uh clearly he made it known that he wants to come back and the lord will bring him back to the ark you know, he'll show him the ark again, which is important to David, and his dwelling place. Mm-hmm. So what did everybody get out of that? Because it's very significant. Okay. Yes, the ark is and was, in this case, the, or was and is, the dwelling place of the Lord, right? He rested between the cherubim, right? Yes. And all those things. Okay. However, the fact that he follows that up and says, he will show me it in his dwelling place, denotes that it's not just about the actual object. Yes, he wanted to take the Lord with him. But it's not just about traditions and certain, I'll say, articles or uh, items. That's not what it's about. But his dwelling place, as he he wanted it, and the Lord wanted it to be for all time, was in or within us. David, if you look even back early on in Samuel, the Lord remained with him. He dwelt with him. It's why he his life was fashioned in such a way where even as a youth, he could look up and see the Lord in the stars and in the heavens and and in nature and, and all these other things. He could see the Creator, his Lord and Savior's handiwork and everything. Especially when he was on the run. What what scrolls did he have to read? Mm-hmm. What Bible did he have to read to to stir himself up in the Lord? And, and by, I mean to strengthen himself. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It was just his personal relationship. Yes, he absolutely wanted the ark with him. It's not so much about the the object. 
It's about the pre- being in the presence of the Lord. That's what he wanted. And the Lord said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Mm-hmm. Let's not leave or forsake him. But let's remain with him. Absolutely. In every moment of our lives. Okay? It's not about traditions. It's not about quote-unquote religious items or objects. It's about the Lord living and dwelling within us. Him being our God, we being his people. Okay? Yes. Last point before we go. Remember that the life and the calling of God that is on the inside of you is not just for you. It's not just for you. How many people God will ask one, ask for one to bless many. And many people are blessed by one person's faithfulness. We are still reaping the benefit of Abraham today. Right? His faithfulness. We are still, we have, we are seeds and heirs of Abraham because of his faithfulness. So think about that. Think about that. How many people God wants to bless through your faithfulness? So esteem it as he does and approach it as he does. He who has ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, let him hear. Okay? Yes. It matters. What God has on the inside of each of us matters. And he's looking for those he can show himself strong on their behalf. Mm -hmm. The person's heart has to be faithful towards him, though. Okay? Yes. Yes. But also, there's more. There's only a few verses left. So let's let's wrap this chapter up. I know this is going to be a long one today. Okay. But let's wrap this up because this next part is important. Can I get a volunteer to read verses 30 through 37, please? I can read it. All right, Kyla. So David went up by the ascent of the the mountain of olives and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and went barefoot. And all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up, weeping as they went up. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel. Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of I hit the into foolishness. Amen. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshipped God, there was Bishai, the archite, archite okay. mm-hmm. um, coming to meet him with his robe torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you go on with me, then you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I was your father's servant previously, so I will now also be your servant. Then you may defeat the council of Ahithophel <laughs> for me. And do not have, and do you not have Zadok and Abiathar the priest with you there? Therefore, it will be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall tell to Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Mm-hmm. Indeed, you have there with them their two sons, Ahimazah. Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son, and by them you shall send me everything you hear. So, Hushai, am I saying his name correctly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Hushai, yep. Hushai. David, 
David's friend went into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Amen. What did everyone get out of that? Oh, before you get to that, I had something I wanted to talk about a couple verses ago. Oh, okay, baby. Oh, please, sure. Uh, it was talking about how Absalom, he asked the king to go to Hebron to pay his vows. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was just showing me how he went the route of trying to copy how David came into power. He started out in Hebron and tried to work his way and take Jerusalem and have uh-huh. the king, the people mm-hmm. go before him and declare him king over all of Israel. Mm-hmm. And how it was just trying to use a mock-up and how they described Absalom. Absalom was just a clone of David, minus he wasn't yeah, as brave or valiant, and the Lord wasn't with him. He didn't have the spirit of the Most High God. But he was beautiful, and all the people saw that, and they prized his good looks and charm and whatever else. Mm -hmm. But how identical or how close to being identical he tried to be. He's a counterfeit, which is what Satan is. That's all he is. He's not original at all. He's not a creator. Exactly. That's a good point. Thank you, Kyla. Yes. So, for the section of scripture we just read, what did everyone get out of that? I would say that David's prayers were answered in mm-hmm. how, in the beginning, like in verse 26, how he wasn't sure if the Lord was going to bring him back, how he had that downtrodden feel to him the lord obviously answered him somebody was waiting at the top of the mountain for him and honestly i'd be concerned like how did you get to the mountain before we did well david had like a whole gang of people, people and kids traveling. and women yes, and but they fancy also, dresses and but david also <laughs> left first <laughs> but he stopped and waited for this whole mm-hmm. processional of people to go by and like i said kids and older people some i'm sure and women in fancy dresses that were probably like oh no and you know they're carrying things and so, with every temptation, yes, the Lord, the Lord provides a way of an escape, and He doesn't tempt us beyond what we can bear. So, the temptation that's used in that verse of Scripture is testing. So, when the enemy comes in, like, hey, I got this claim on them, I'm enacting it. God still provides a way of escape that we can bear up under it, but also triumph in it. God likes to win big. He it's likes not just to, squeak by. No. <laughs> he likes to win big. Utterly decimate. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, okay, you thought you had my servant. Well, guess what? Just like with Job, the enemy thought he had him, thought he was going to curse God and die and all of that. But God ended up going, ha-ha, in your face, devil. <laughs> I blessed him with double. <laughs> His daughters are even more beautiful than they were before. And everybody's coming by and they're blessing him. He's, he's more blessed than he was before. Yes. That's it. So, although David, I'm, I'm glad he looked up and saw the Lord and didn't just allow himself to fall and go, I can't ask you for anything anymore, God, because I'm, I did some sin. Nope. When you make it right, it's right with God. Absolutely. Keep moving. And he told him that. I put your sin away. And that was a point I was going to bring up. Oh, sorry, baby. And the, oh, no, it was, it was good, <laughs> honey. Okay. Clearly, this Holy Spirit lead, right? The, the same point. Even in the midst of whatever trial, trial struggle, time of testing that you're going through. Just like David here in this example, take the time to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes, repent 
but worship him. Get before that's a resubmitting, a rededicating, mm-hmm. coming back into under alignment. It's like coming back into alignment with the Lord, with His plan, with His purpose, mm-hmm. as your Lord and Savior. That worship, He went up barefooted, barefoot. He covered yep. His head and went up barefoot, not going, "I'm the King." Well, you know, it's humility. Put me on the little, the little, little bouncy bed thing with the sticks on it. You know. Oh, is that what it's called? Okay. <laughs> okay. And hold my grapes. Hold them steady as we're going over this gravel. Keep fanning. You know. yes. But he humbled himself. The same David that danced before the Lord. Right? Yes. yes. Like remembering those things. Worship God. You're never too big for that. Absolutely not. Don't forget who you are. He was remembering, hey, I'm the same little kid. He grew up with his feet in the dirt when he was, you know, herding the sheep. Yep. But then also... Mm-hmm. After he worshiped the Lord, that's when the plan comes. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we can do this. You guys go back. You're going to do this. These people are, are going to be there. Mm-hmm. You said in the same, right, the same, I'll say, tactic used against him. He is now able to employ that against, well, his son, but the person who rose up against him. And clearly see, God is not with them. Mm-hmm. And there's already a means to report everything so that it still gets back to David. All those things. Mm-hmm. Amen. So he can have confirmation for exactly what the Lord is leading and saying to him. Mm-hmm. And you know, it might, after we do things that affects, it, that impact our conscience, it can seem hard to come back and re-enter our walk and relationship with the Lord. It can feel like it's difficult and um Whereas before it was easy. The Bible talks about how the Lord, um, in Hebrews 9, verse 14. Um, it says, well, let's back up to verse 13 for a second. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So after you repent, you know, like we talked about um, sin, purposeful, willful, and intentful sin, especially, in, in particular, stains your garment. And your garment, part of that is also your conscience, your inward man. And it leaves a residue and a stain behind. And sometimes it's hard to get that away because, you know, the enemy, who was the accuser of the brethren, comes in singing that song. And then if humans also know what you did, they're looking at you and slanty-eyed, and you're wondering, are they slanty-eyed because of me, what I did? You know, even if it's just the sun that's in their eye that day. But, you Maybe know. the death glare. Yeah. Right, and maybe they're looking past you, but that, that consciousness of what's there leaves a stain, and it can be hard sometimes to look up and just reach out to God in confidence, knowing that he'll be there, even though our own um, faithfulness was shaken, was not consistent. But this says that he, his blood will cleanse our conscience from dead works. So remember that. That is not meant to be used like, oh, I'm just going to go sin and God, you'll clean it up later. No, no, no. It's not that. But it means that when you've made a sincere um, repentance, like you make a mistake and you come back and you're like, God, I'm sorry. 
And then that thought to keep remembering what you've done. Apply this. Lord, thank you that you cleanse my conscience from dead works. And then trust and go on and move forward and live in that. Live in what the blood of Jesus Christ has done for us. Live in, God, the hope that we have in Jesus. Live in what God has already said concerning you. What He didn't change his mind about David. God didn't change his mind about you. He hasn't changed his mind about any of us. He still loves us. So don't remain in that place mm -hmm. of so, feeling like you can't come back to the Lord. Run back to him. Mm -hmm. And know that he loves you. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Of all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. And his blood will cleanse your conscience from dead works. So go ahead and apply it. Okay? Don't expect that it will automatically happen. You will have to actively apply it. Just like you have to actively take salvation. You have to actively receive your healing. You have to actively believe God for um, your finances and everything else. Actively apply this, mm -hmm. the blood of Jesus, to your conscience and to your everyday life. Amen. All right. Does anyone have anything else I want to share? No. All right. Well, then who would like to close us out in prayer? I will. All right, sir. Well, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you that you sent Jesus to the cross, Lord, so that our minds can be renewed, Lord, and that we can receive forgiveness, Lord, and come back to you, Lord, and having our garments cleansed, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for giving us these examples, Lord, so that way we can see how to be better in you, Lord, and how to continue in your way and make it easier for us to continue walking with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.